Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed booze pundits with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how today's headlines affect the industry. Each week, you guys will be joined by a special guest that will help them break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is the Good Bottle Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. I am Chris and Claire, your host for this episode. Joined by my co-host, Mr. Drew Garrison, who's always my co-host for every episode. You're like always the host. Too, I'm so. also always the host. This is very confusing. So we're recording in person and only you can hear the music. So yeah. it's like I feel like borderline naked, you know, just kind of like, like I, I'm not, I don't I have the sweet jams plus Jen's lovely voice to get me going because you know how she gets me going. So it's like, <laughs> sorry, so, babe. Uh, so, it, you know, we might be a little bit off in terms of like time. It's okay. You make stuff. me so nervous that I often uh, visualize you naked just so I can get through these, um, or at least in your underwear. Well, the fact that you can finish after that is good for you. So uh, I love it. Well, you know, we have a really fun episode, despite the fact that there's a couple wrenches in the engine right now. We're going to be talking about <laughs> your wrench in the engine. Uh, well, yeah, that's, that's it. We're going to be talking about some vino therapy. We're going to talk about some big opportunities and uh, more more hotels around around the US, which is which I think is appropriate because you know we had Jeffrey Morgenthal on a couple of weeks ago. She got a lot of good feedback on, which is amazing. It's great. And people kind of be like, wow, I can't believe you got that. I'm like, yeah, sometimes you just have to ask. It's it it really is that simple. And it is a fact. He's not that busy right now anyway. Well, he's only opening a bar. <laughs> yeah. But I we do want to confirm that he did say it was the best podcast you'd ever been on. It's true. After. The mic wasn't hot. It wasn't, which is really, really I'm remembering that till the day I die. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. No, that was that was pretty amazing. I wish it was recorded. But here we are in person. This our guest tonight flew in specifically for this. I mean, well, that's not that's, that's not 100% in, true, but I'm, it's like it's pretty true. I'm going with it. Yeah. It's like we're 50% of the reason <laughs> that they flew halfway across the country. Right. To come see us. Mm. Um, There's no halfway. It's entirely the way. Entirely the way across the all country. All the way? All the way across the country. It wasn't halfway. There was no There's no Delta. There's no uh, Mississippi. Already well above Mississippi. It wasn't Well, like uh, we'll let people decide how how to properly yeah, they will. They'll, they'll figure out that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, this person is the founder and CEO of Lush Life. She's the founder of Camp Run Amok and Portland Cocktail Week, which is still a thing. That's what we were pointing out in the email. Uh, and is the owner of the expo in Louisville. She's also been referred to as the godmother of the bartending world. She is shaking her head in disappointment right now, so she's not going to love my next comment. In 2016, she was named a top 40 under 40 tastemaker by wine enthusiasts. Yeah. That was a thing that happened. Great pictures in that. Those by were the way. amazing pictures. I remember that. And. Yeah. To, and to, to close this out, she once described a basket of tater tots as deliciously decadent, which I just was like, oh. that is amazing. That's a thing. <laughs> found something in that I don't even remember. <laughs> I mean, does it still hold up? I, it depends on the tater tots, I guess. It was at a, uh, it was at a dive bar called like Low, Low Bro. 
Lowbrow. Lowbrow. Oh, lowbrow oh, in, Portland. In, Portland. in Portland. Absolutely. Yeah. Lowbrow's the be- well, was the best. Well, that's what I figured. It was a long time ago. <laughs> but at the time, you did find that their their it, tater tots were deliciously decadent. In all fairness, I was almost certainly with my dear friend who has, has since passed on, Rocky A. That was our oh. spot. That's where we went all the time. Yeah. And uh, if if we were going to have, if I'm going to have anything decadent, it was going to be with that man. That's, so. that's and it was going to be tater tots. Yeah, yeah, obviously. So that <laughs> Something lo- was going to be fried. <laughs> <laughs> that lovely voice that you hear is our guest tonight and it is Lindsay Johnson. Lindsay, thank you so much for being here. So um, for our listeners, why don't you tell us what we're going to be sipping on because we're all going to be drinking the same thing together. And then uh, also a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Well, today I brought two bottles. Um, the first bottle is Glenmore and GX, which is uh, a newer product from our friends at Glenmo. Um, it is intended, it's a single malt, but you can make put it in cocktails. It's priced cocktail friendly. Um, that is the idea behind it. Um, and, you know, it's something, you know, it's going to be good because Dr. Bill made it. And that's usually all it takes for me to get into a scotch. Um, and the second bottle that I brought was the Ardbeg Wee Beastie. Um, and that one is also made by Dr. Bill Lumsden. Um, is delicious and kind of intended in the same way. And the reason I brought these is because these two amazing companies uh, have partnered up to offer some of the like wildest education I've ever been able to offer to bartenders for free. Um, we, we do this incredible program with them and Edinburgh Whiskey Academy where... Um, at the end of the program, all of our students get like college credit and they get this certification that is unmatched in the world of scotch. So um, I just love them because they love on bartenders. And that's really what I do. My job is uh, I, I am the founder of the first ever bartender advocacy agency. So if you think about what I do, it's kind of like PR. But instead of talking to media, I make sure that bartenders have all the stuff that they need to be successful in the industry. Um, obviously, over 16 years, that that job has grown and changed and morphed into a million different directions. And sometimes it manifests as Portland Cocktail Week and 5,000 bartenders just terrorizing the city of Portland for a week. Uh, sometimes it's 200 of us out in the woods just being buds. So it, it, it just kind of depends on, on the day what my job is. So there is a quote from a Forbes article in 2019. Oh. Again, I don't mess around with this research. <laughs> and I thought I thought this really perfectly like summarized that very long in like, uh, you know, an ever-changing career. But you said, this industry offers so many educational opportunities around spirits education and training, but seldom offers a roadmap for success. And I was just like, I saw that, I cried a little bit. And I was like, that's so true that you get these like very surface level trainings and experiences and things like that, but nothing really seems to be tangible. And that's where you've come in to be like, no, this is actually how you convert that education into different levels of success. We're, we're so fortunate to have so many incredible educators when it comes to what's in bottles, right? We we have access to the people who make the products. We have access to the people who come up with the products. Um, everybody from the person who puts it in the bottle all the way through to the person who sells it to you. Um, and, we, and all of that access is amazing. And it means that we as an industry have a pretty good idea of what we're selling our customers, which yeah. is fantastic. That's a huge, 
huge barrier to entry, something really important that that we do for one another. But what we don't do for one another is say, here's how I manage my bar. This is how I charge for cocktails in my bar. This mm. is how I got that brand ambassador job where I'm selling this amazing scotch. And really, a lot of my work has been centered in taking those ideas and and lifting the curtain. You know, I'm an I'm an old punk. I'm an old riot girl. And what we always did for one another is say, oh, this is how I book shows. This is how I got that band to come. Yeah. And I just take that same ethos and apply it to what we do here. And it's it's really opened a lot of doors. It's incredible to see somebody go from a baby bartender or a bar back all the way through and they own their own bar. At, like, I, I, there are so many folks who have been through our programs that I can point to them and go, look at how far you've come. And, yeah. you know, obviously our work is just a very small part in that journey, but I'm really so lucky to be able to be a part of it with all of these amazing people. Well, I think it's, I mean, even if it's a little part, I mean, it's a big part for a lot of people, right? You have built this structure and this foundation, or you added that one missing piece that it's just kind of like, oh, this is how you get this to translate. And I know that for myself, a lot of my trainings have turned from just kind of like the surface level stuff, like, no, how do we convert people on things? Like, and how do you actually sell it? And then ultimately, you know, make more money for yourself and things like that. Um, so Chris, you know, we've had a really exciting week for guests. Like this is our second podcast this week and yeah. both guests are and have been very influential in your career. So um, to put you on the spot right now and also to and embarrass the hell out of Lindsay, what, what, what do you love about her? What's, what's, I like what's, the way you did it with like chin and palm and yeah. all that. I like, I really, I really bust out the the cute thing, you know? Well, uh, first of all, she glows when she enters the room. So let's start with that. Just nonstop energy. That's right. Feel it. Electricity. Let's see uh, if I'm going to be transparent here and uh, open, open the, the heart, heart bulb. Is that a thing? No, but I'm going to go with it. It fucking is now. Absolutely. You're emotionally can put words together. This is like, you're just like, you're making up phrases right now. Uh, Lindsay gave me (laughs) um, the opportunity to experience things that I never thought I'd have a chance to experience Um, and meet people that I never would have otherwise met and build a a living resource uh, in a community that... um, quite honestly didn't exist right like i mean tails is one thing right amazing huge resource of people who all flood to one place you might meet and remember two people you're gonna forget hundreds (laughs) i believe that with the current leadership that's gonna be five people this time and six people next Mm -hmm. seriously like Mm -hmm. they're doing great work right now but heard yes (laughs) back in the day tales of the cocktail had a really phenomenal educations uh, and uh, under past leadership pre-covid that definitely fell off it became more about uh sort of purchased education from brands uh, there were a handful of people in there who who did some good stuff but really it wasn't it wasn't the powerhouse of education that it it started off as versus portland cocktail week which is that's the focus well, that's why they make money and we don't. <laughs> we totally full transparency. We Portland Cocktail Week was a response. So Tales today, I love. I'm so stoked. I'm going to be teaching a class at Tales of the Cocktail. Come see me. Um, we've got an event every single day at Tales. I really believe in the current leadership, and I think the direction that it's headed is awesome. Having said that, I would not have I, those words would not have come out of my mouth in t- 2009, 2010. And yeah. that's when we founded Portland Cocktail Week. Um, it was in response to looking around the room and saying, 
why are there no bartenders in this class that is clearly intended to be education for bartenders. So this amazing education, this amazing resource is sitting right in front of me. Why am I in this room? A person who hasn't bartended at that point in like six years and all of my friends who bartend aren't in here. And when I'd ask them, they'd say, well, I can't afford 90 bucks for 90 yeah. minutes. Yeah. And again, that's changing yep. and it's awesome. And I'm so stoked. But Portland Cocktail Week, when we started it, I was like, we're never going to charge bartenders to come to this. We, we never charge bartenders to come to any of our stuff. Sometimes we'll have like a donation bin out for one of the charities that we want to support. But that's the only time money's ever going to change hands. It's never going in my bank account. Um, and, and what that did and what that continues to do is mean that people who can't normally access that education, which if you think about it very often... Um, it's, it's women most of the time, specifically mothers. Mm -hmm. Um, we've, we've blocked them out of getting a lot of that education because we've put these barriers to entry up. Um, and by being able to like offer Portland cocktail week distance learning, which is something we do now. And we get 3000 plus bartenders to watch every time, every one of those episodes. Damn. That's amazing. We're able, we're just able to get to more people and it's education that everybody who works in the bar industry wants, whether it's a behind the scenes tour of Glenmo or it's here is, here's the best practices for hiring and firing somebody, Rachel Ramsey, shout out to her. She's amazing. (laughs) You ever need HR work, that woman knows what she's up to. Um, but we're, we're so fortunate to be able to offer that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, I, I'm a big believer in, and what we've always said in the beginning is Portland Cocktail Week is all about democratizing bar education. That's the point. Um, the parties are fun. Don't get me wrong. They throw great parties. They don't suck. They're great parties. But the point is that everybody should get access. And I, I it's so heartwarming to me that what you took away was community and education because that's literally all we're after. So <laughs> that makes me really happy. <laughs> well, it's really influential on me. It's, you know, I'm, I'm a very community and educated focused human being, yes. <laughs> but being able to see that put into practice and know that it's sustainable is really what sealed the deal for me and made me never look back really like that's Drew gives me a hard time because that's my business ethos as well. And, Not a great ethos for business. And he no, he no. wants me to make money, which is <laughs> I just weird. want you to be able to feed your child. <laughs> She's fine. It's a trickle down. She, she eats toenails. It's good. <laughs> hey, I hear you. Approaching problems the way that we do is a really great way to build community. And ultimately we get there. It just takes a lot longer yep. because we get so many people coming with us and right. that's the the power of the community. And that's the ultimately what's going to sustain us. I think long-term um, a thing that I, has always seemed wild to me in this industry is that we so often have folks who like close the door behind them. What happens when you get hired to go to the next job? Who's going to take your job? You just mm-hmm. made it. So no one else knows what you do. Right. That doesn't work long-term. So we've got to build these tools. And fortunately, you know, 16 years later, I feel like we're in a much better spot. than. Well, I mean, I, I still see gatekeeping as a, as a huge issue in this industry, especially from people in my age group in, in our um, generation of bartenders, you know, who make, who, who've made a name for themselves open up bars, they, you know, uh, talk a big talk about wanting to bring people in, but then just tell people that they're lucky that they should be working for them because they're never going to have a chance to learn what they know, you know, but then never give them the information that's in their head. Just doesn't, a lot of that is, is backwards to me. It is. It really is. And again, there are some people who just do it right the whole way. You know, when they bring people up with them, they train them the whole way. They they make them learn everything. And at the end, let's open a bar together. Like that's the way to do it. I love that 
that method. I think that yeah. that's so smart. It's good for everybody. That's how you you grow empires and how yep. you take care of people the right way. Um, and you see more success with folks like that. Um, it, I, that that older way of thinking, I think, it is slowly disappearing. Uh, but I think we still have a long way to go. I hope so. And you know, there's, you're never going to be able to like totally get rid of it just because not everybody comes from exactly the Lindsey Johnson school of of bar ownership, right? Like, there's just like they're not part of this culture, and all, a lot of people actually are uh, actively against it. Yeah. They they don't like that there's for better or worse, sort of like a little bit of a lush life click. Totally. But uh, I think some of that's fair and some of it's just not. It just, it comes from people who are offended by it. Yeah. I think for some people, it just, a, a thing that I always find really funny is that the people who are usually the most mad at what we do are either mad because of perceived financial reasons. A thing that I always tell them is that we are not fight. I am never fighting for dollars with Tales of the Cocktail. I am fighting the billboards. I, that's, that is the thing that we are all up against and the better they do and the better all of the perceived competitors in the space do, the better I do. And I fully believe that with my whole heart. Um, unfortunately, there are a lot of people that don't think that mm -hmm. way. And, you know, we're specifically on, on that side of the business. There are a lot of people who don't think that way. And all, a lot of those people are exactly who you think they are. Um, but kind of conversely, I think in the bar world, we're, we're, we're making strides, like in the, the people who actually work in the bars and restaurants, I see so much, so much growth there. And I see so, so many changing attitudes, so many more women in charge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not to put too fine yeah. a point on it, but it's nice. No, to it's, see. it's very true. And it's, I mean, as someone who came up, who, when I first started getting, trying to get hired as a bartender, I was literally turned away because sorry, you're not a cute girl. Right. You yeah. know, and then, and then craft cocktails came around. They're like, Oh, we only hire guys. You're like what? It's like so. If you want to sell shots, you hire a girl. But if you want somebody who quote unquote knows what they're talking An about, expert. you hire a guy. I'm like, fuck me. This is just as gross as everywhere else in the world. This is fucking terrible. I, we the the restaurant opportunity center put out a study a few years ago that essentially said that women make up eighty percent of the hospitality workforce, uh, but make up less than ten percent of all management and ownership. Yep, um, I believe that those statistics yeah. blew my mind. Um, when you dig a little deeper and you look at uh, some, it's something like 70% of all people who work in hospitality are also Latin. Again, we're looking at less than 10% are owners or managers. Uh, same with the black community. You know, the, the statistics kind of repeat over and over again. Um, and that, that's the perception, right? You, you'll hear complaints up and down, left and right, that only the hot girls get the good shifts. Um, but at the end of the day, the person complaining is probably going to be a manager before that woman yeah. ever gets a better job. And she's only going to be treated like an object for the rest of her life. So that's, you know, there there are big trade-offs there. And uh, I know which camp I'd rather be in. I know I'd rather be respected and promoted than the other. Yeah, definitely. I think most people would. <laughs> so for, for something like, Portland cocktail week, like, you know, for our bartenders that are listening at home and, and stuff like that, how do they get into it? Or like, how do they get involved in whether it's run amok or cocktail week or just anything that has that lush life, you know, brand to it? What, what, what do they need to do to get on your radar? The easiest way is to apply. And I know that there are a lot of people out there who've applied multiple times, especially for camp. A thing to keep in mind is that we have 300 spots at camp and we've never had fewer than 3000 applications ever at Camp Run Amok. Uh, this year we have 
I, I gosh, I would say 15% of the people have applied three times or more. Maybe, maybe that's a larger number. Um, but there are a lot of people who've applied three, four times and they get in that fifth time. It's just so many people in the beginning when, when certain folks were coming, uh, there, there were smaller <laughs> groups, um, you know, that first year, I think we had something like uh, 400 people apply for 200 spots. Yeah. Um, and now we, you know, just sort of the way it works, um, Portland Cocktail Week is also a, a much wider audience, right? Mm -hmm. At Portland Cocktail Week, I've got 2,500 tickets. Mm -hmm. So like that's your chances of getting in there are way, way, way better. And again, it's totally free. So all you have to do there is say, I would like to come to Portland Cocktail Week, please. Right. And then when it's time to go to the workshop that you said you wanted to go to, if you show up, chances are really good that you're going to get invited to the next one. Um, so it's, it's kind of like a two part thing, putting your hand up and coming to one of the like Portland cocktail week or one of our certification programs or one of our online programs, um, is a really great way to get to know us and kind of get to know how the system works. Mm -hmm. Um, if you've applied a bunch of times and you're like, dude, I just don't understand what I'm doing wrong. Email us, Lindsay at lushlifeproductions.com. Email me. I would be more than happy to go back and look at your application with you. I do this probably twice a week with somebody, um, and say, so here's the thing. Instead of talking about how you're going to bring back this education to your community, which is what the question asks you, you just sent me your resume. And while I think it's super cool you won world-class regionally, I'm proud of you. That's just not <laughs> what we're looking for at camp. I'm, I, I don't care if you won a competition. I yeah. care about how you're going to take all of this knowledge that you're going to get from these master distillers and bring it back home and teach your bar staff or teach your friends. Um, I don't care if you're telling me that you're going to come and have a tasting with your mom. Cool. Like that's a better <laughs> answer than I won competition XYZ. Um, yeah, I, I think I think very often folks think that I'm looking for a resume and they're looking I'm looking for a star tender. There are more people who get in from TGI Fridays than most of the fancy car the fancy bars that you've heard of. Um, and that's just, are there really? We have a lot of bartenders who come from national Can accounts. You give me their number because I'm looking for their training program. <laughs> Absolutely. One of shout out to Roby when she first came oh, to camp the first yeah. time. She was uh she she was working at uh, TGI Fridays and. Uh, she is, she is now the Colonel of Camp Rodamuck this year. She will be running the show, um, on our leadership side. Um, and you know, she's worked at every bar in America at this point, you know, silver line. Yeah, no big deal. She's in LA killing it. You know, like there, it's really exciting to see all of the different opportunities that open up for folks when they do attend. And so where are they going to go to join or um, to, to apply? Where do they need to go? So the best way to do it is to sign up for our newsletters. Okay. Um, I will get you the link for that as soon as we're done. It's I'm pretty sure it's pdxcw.com slash newsletter. And that's yeah. going to just get into your inbox. Every, whenever we have a program, we don't spam very often. Uh, whenever we have a program, we'll send it out um, and say, hey, you should come to this. Um, and the applications, while they are a little bit more detailed than some of the others, what we're really looking for and what we're really trying to get to in those applications is who you are as a person. Will you be successful in this environment, whether it be Portland Cocktail Week or Camp Rodamuck? Um, I have very dear friends who I've called after they've applied and said, baby, this is not for you. You would hate it here. Like, to be totally honest, Camp Ronamuk would probably not be a place for me if I didn't live in the staff lodge. You know, like certain personalities <laughs> do better than others. You got to be a real friendly person like Chris to, to really succeed. Um, That's uh, really funny. <laughs> it's adorable. Oh, so. come on. You're so sweet and friendly. I've seen it with my own eyes. No, I, I think no <laughs> I'm angry and jaded. I, I mean, I think it makes sense. I mean, it, you know, and it's funny, like if you have enough, you know, bartenders in your life, like 
you know when applications were approved or not approved, right? You see it all over their social medias and we put things it like out. That. We will email you if you apply. We will email you the minute it's done and let you know. We try to do it, process it quickly, but again, three. This last time we had just over three, like thirty five hundred applications that we had to go through, and we only had because we let all the people who got in in twenty twenty. We invited them all back. We only had like 50 spots and 3,500 applications. So it was rough this time. What's that like from from that perspective? So is it like, uh, is it kind of like, you know, you read through the applications and like this person, they're like, okay, just read this person's application. This is either a hard no or a hard yes, or like they're going to the next round and we'll see how they compare to other people. Is it like that? I mean, because like that's, oh I mean, it's got to be just... I'm more curious about the daunting task of having to go through and then just casting judgment on all these people to be like, I think right. this works. And, and all just like via, you know, Text. written word, right? Yeah. Like you're not actually getting to really know them except for what they've explained to you. And right? some of the people I know, but I don't know that I know them because the very first step is Liz Porter, Angel Saint sent to us from heaven or somewhere better. I don't know. She's perfect. Um, <laughs> goes through all the data and she removes the name, the city, the state, the account any sort of identifying data. So like if mm. they mention what bar they work in, in the text, she redacts it. If they mention Eric Trickett, if you're listening, <laughs> he tried to cheat the system the second year by like writing in these long stories of stuff that only he knew that I would know it was him. Right. I called him and said, you're not getting in just because you tried to cheat. Um, but oh <laughs> we, so we go through, we make sure that all identifying information is out. And then at that point, we take all 3,500, however, some odd applications, and we send it out to my whole team. Mm-hmm. And we send it out to a group of folks from our alumni association who've put their hands up and are brave souls who are going to read two, 300 each. Um, and we score them one through 10, just based off the essay questions. Um, we go through all of that. We average up the scores. Um, and then again, Perfect Liz goes through and she helps me. Um, we go through all of the top scores. We make sure that we um, have an equal number of folks from different genders. Um, she makes sure that um, we have racial parity, geographic parity. Um, true story, if you live in Idaho, your chances of getting in are much better than New York City, even though one person from Idaho gets in every year and 60 people from New York City, maybe not that many, but you know right, what I mean? Right, right. A lot of people from New York come and it seems like we pick a lot from New York, but it's really we. your chances of getting in as a New York bartender when of the 3,500, 500 are from there the number is much smaller. Right, right. Totally. No, yeah. that, that makes sense. Now, is there, and you've, and you've kind of mentioned like, you know, like how do you bring the education back? But like, is, is there something that you're, that you really want to drive home right now to be like, if you're filling out one of these applications, like, please do this. Like the biggest thing is don't put your resume in. Just yeah. don't, don't, um, don't have like, the, I'm not saying you need to write, a full essay, like a full page. But if you're writing a sentence or two, you're up against people who've written two or three paragraphs at this point. So if you're just giving us a little bit, that might be enough. Yeah. But chances are that's not enough information for anyone to go on, right? Because that's all we have to go on. Right. Um, so not, and more isn't always better, but more definitely helps, especially if you have a really good idea. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would say that nine times out of 10 people are like, I just don't understand why I'm not getting in. It's because they're just in one essay question, they're posting a resume. And then the next one, they're writing a sentence or two. We, um, I would say for the first like three years, um, I had a blind spot 
And that was uh, grammar, spelling. I, I come from journalism <laughs> um, and it annoys me sometimes when the comma's <laughs> in the wrong place. It doesn't anymore. Um, we don't at all judge on writing style. I, like We have very explicit instructions to say the writing style doesn't matter. It's the content. It's what they're trying to say that matters. I don't care where the comma goes. If they misspell every word in the sentence, as long as you get what they're after, we're good to go. Um, now, so the, the resume is going to be an automatic disqualifier, Every but, time. <laughs> but I, but I'd be curious if there's anyone else like, and just like listening to this, I think like an automatic disqualifier for me, if I was one of these judges was like, if you were to include how many followers you have on Instagram or TikTok, oh, gosh. like Maybe. if someone like had that, cause like, that's a thing now, it's right? definitely a thing. Absolutely. Like, you know, you see it on people's, you know, you see it on their Instagram, you see it on their TikToks. Like I have X amount of followers on this. This is kind of like, it's like, Oh, I don't. Do you know how many brands that we, we work work with? that I have to be like, no, 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 that can't be part of the competition criteria. I won't work on it if that's part of the competition criteria. Oh, so they they want that. Not everybody, but often, in, I would say once a year, twice a year, I get asked to do that. And every time the answer is no. And the answer is no for some really like pretty on, oh goodness, I can't, I can't help myself. Um, yes. the, the, the no, <laughs> is, is the reason that, that it's a no for me is because the person who has that social media following obviously has privilege and access to professional grade camera equipment, has access to a lot of stuff that the people that I think are important to reach yeah. uh, don't have access to. And it, it almost always skews white and femme uh -huh. in those spaces, uh -huh. um, very seldom elsewhere. Uh -huh. And I think that giving anyone um, a, an advantage when that advantage is based solely on privilege is kind of bullshit. So we, we don't allow it just like I really, really, really fight against video submissions, photo submissions, as much as I love all my friends who are amazing professional photographers. If, if you have that as a criteria in your competition, all of your finalists are going to be white males. They just are, they're all going to be 28 white males, 20 year old white males. Yeah. And that, and again, I love that group of people. They're beautiful, wonderful humans, but I'd like to see a whole bunch of different folks. And when you remove those qualifications, the first competition we ever ran, um, the two, the two people who won the national competition were both femme and queer, um, people of color. And they went on to win globals, the only two women in the whole competition. And we were the only one that didn't require photography as part of the competition structure globally for that same competition. That's good. I, I got to tell you as a, as a, a previous professional competitive bartender like that, like the video submissions, photo submissions, you could, you could easily tell or worse case scenario was a social media competition, oh right? Yeah. It's like, what does this have to do with the cocktail that I made that probably tastes good that no one's going to get to taste? I don't right? know why like, me having friends is more important than making a good drink. Yeah. Like you, you're literally, having me apply for a job here or, you know, in some, some yes. sense, depending on the amount of money that we're talking about. Absolutely. And the qualification is not that I'm good at the job. Exactly. The, it's a totally different job right. altogether. Yeah. yeah uh, totally. I mean, there, I, I've seen some really amazing Absolutely. photo and video submissions, stuff that's been incredibly mind bending and just tons of wow. If you're but I've it, also seen yeah. a lot of shit that just would never hold up in just a neighborhood bar even. Exactly. Or, go to the best cocktail bar or even the shittiest neighborhood bar and this drink would never hold up in any space like exactly. that you know so and if you want a competition like that that's great make it for influencers mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. totally fine there is Don't an make it for amazing bartenders. community of influencers who just work in spirits 
engage them, get them, you know, pay them for their time to make those sorts of things and get those impressions that way. It, also, you'll you'll probably get a lot more bang for your buck if you do that. Hundred percent, you're going to save yeah. a lot of money, make like jumping through hoops because they're not bartenders. So you can directly pay them, you know, from a marketing perspective, this country, which I'm sure most of you know that we're not allowed to give any bartender anything of value over $5. Right. So, um, but they can directly pay an influencer, however much money they want to go out and come up with 20 new cocktails and post it on their Instagram and get all those views and all those impressions. And please go forth and do it. If that, if your goal is impressions, that's a really good way to do it. Um, if your goal is, to really connect with bartenders and provide something of value to them the minute you force them to put it on Instagram and get votes the minute no one takes that's when people stop taking you seriously right immediately yeah because they're what what you're asking for is not how good a bartender are you what you're asking is how many friends do you have who cares (laughs) when when you get asked by those brands like to to make it like a follower thing like is there do you find like there's like a threshold? It's like, is it always like, oh, they have to have at least 10,000 followers? Like what's, or is that varied quite a bit? Do you even remember? It varies a lot. And to be honest with you, the minute those words come out of their mouths, I'm like, this is probably not the job for me. And I can refer you to five other agencies. Yeah. And I, I just have so, I'm kind of a pain in the butt. I, I have a very, <laughs> which every person who works at a spirits brand probably would tell you, I have very rigid ideas of what we can and cannot do. Um, actually, up until that Brugal competition I just mentioned, we refused to do competitions because all I saw were social media competitions and this, that, and the other thing. Um, and the person who who asked me to put it together was like, look, we want to do this the right way. And the only person I trust to do it the right way is you. And I was like, okay. If we can come from that understanding and we, and you're really going to listen to me, then I'm willing to try. And it turned out really well. And it, you know, it's, it's a model that we've, we've replicated a few times and something that we really enjoy doing now. Um, but in 2015, would I do a competition? Absolutely not. I would have said absolutely no. So, yeah. you know, the, well, those, cha- I guess I do, I'm not as rigid as I think then. <laughs> well, and, you know, and, and we were talking about like different situations before we started recording and stuff like that. And so the thing that I'm curious about is, you know, at working as an agency, like, you know, the thought process of like, oh my gosh, you get approached by this huge brand. Like, of course we want to work with you, but you've been very selective about who you're associating yourself with. And you've, you know, you've started a relationship, you've ended relationships based on different things and different criteria. Absolutely. What's that? I mean, like, you know, when you are approached, you know, by the brand and, and we've pretty, when we've kind of touched on it, like, you know, in different ways as this conversation has gone on, but you know, if there's, you know, if there's a brand out there right now that's, that's listening to this, like, like what are the things that you want to hear from them? That's going to get Lush Life excited to work with them. The main things that I'm always, before we even talk about the project, I need to know that your product is ethically made, mm-hmm. that the people who are in, who are, in that distillery room next to that still are being paid fairly um, that your water and your grain and whatever it is that's going into your product is sourced in a way that is non harmful within reason, right? Like for right. humans, everything we do is a little harmful, but within reason, we're not hurting anybody. Yeah. So that's like step one. Once you pass, and I'll know that before I won't get on the phone with you. If I, if I don't believe that what you're doing is right. Um, And then once we've passed that threshold, all they have to say to me is we're here to make sure that we are doing a service to bar for bartenders, Mm -hmm. not how do I sell more of my stuff right away? Um, Because ultimately I'm going to be able to sell way more of your stuff. If you are going to actually take the time to get to know the community, understand what the community needs and serve the community. Right. Um, And if you don't want to take that time, you can just hire me. I I'm doing it right now. So like, 
please feel free to just have us come in and do that work for you because it is a lot of work. Right. Um, but th that's all I need. All I need to hear is that your heart is in the right place and you want to make sure that bartenders' lives are going to get a little bit better from the work that you do. Not that you want to buy a lot of plastic sunglasses. You know, that's like <laughs> the first thing that's going to get me to be like, mm, maybe not. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, and it's like, you know, obviously even talking about something like Glen Ranji and, and Ardbeg, like those are, yeah. those are pretty big brands. Absolutely. Right. Speaking of Ardbeg, can I have a little yeah, of the wee beast here? Thank you. There you go. Um, you know, we were talking about a couple brands earlier because like one of the things is like, oh, it's really hard to find a rum that fits that criteria, yeah. which we're all very aware of, especially anybody who listens to this podcast knows the rants and ravings that us two have gone on. Um, but like for like smaller brands, like, you know, you know, are there opportunities with you guys for them? Because they don't have the same marketing budgets totally. and stuff like that. So we you know. have worked for the littlest of the little like brands that didn't even exist in the States. Mm -hmm. um, we have worked for the biggest of the big, right? So obviously we work with Moet Hennessy, uh, but at the same time, I'm working on a project for a small craft spirits portfolio out of San Francisco right now. I'm working mm -hmm. for, I mean, you, you name the company. I've probably worked for them in some capacity through the years. Yeah. Um, we've been lucky to like launch, we launched Comier when it came to the U S and that was a brand with exactly zero cases sold, you know, like mm -hmm. we're, we've worked with brands at all stages of their you know, their brand life. Um, and as long as you're willing to like do good for bartender, th there is a portfolio that we currently work for the woman who we work with. I love so much. She has maybe $9 to spend on marketing a year. And we put those $9 to work. <laughs> we also have a similar budget. So we'd like to talk after this. <laughs> but that, and that's what we, I, I love working with her. Shout out to Mara. You're awesome. Um, you know, we, we get to work with people and, you know, I, I also get to sell like a, a work with her on Molinari, which is a cool Sambuca, you know, like we get, to, I love working on the little guys. I love working on the big stuff. It really just sort of depends. And obviously I'm never going to her with a plan. That's like, let's put, 200 bartenders through scotch school that costs $1,500 a, $1, a head. That's not a thing I'm bringing to her. Right. Instead, it's like, okay, so how do we creatively work you into these other programs mm -hmm. and support these organizations you're stoked on? Yeah. How do we do that together? And we're doing that together uh, as we speak. We're, we're going to work with Turning Tables in New Orleans. Uh, Tori, folks, is amazing for all of you who know. What's Turning Tables? Turning Tables is an amazing organization out of New Orleans uh, founded by Tori, folks. Uh, Trey is, oh my gosh, he, he's a former camper, um, but more, much more importantly, what he does is he makes sure that there are opportunities for black bartenders in New Orleans to have access to education and jobs, more importantly. Fuck yeah. Um, so he trains bartenders in New Orleans to go get behind the bars of some of the I mean, we've all been to Tales of the Cocktail. We've all been to the cocktail bars in New Orleans. We've all looked behind those bars and not seen a lot of faces that are not white, right? Um, Tori is changing that single-handedly um, and with the, the help of that organization, um, well, his organization. Um, so we partnered up. And when we were like, well, what do we, how do we want to show up at Tales of the Cocktail this year, especially keeping in mind how inclusive and how thoughtful the Tales team is right now and how excited they are to really amplify some of these voices that have been left behind in the past. Um, so we're like, well, I want to show up with Torre wherever I can. Uh, and, and Mara was one of the first people to be like, yeah, that's yes. Let's, let's have turning tables, all of Torre's bartenders who are never going to get the opportunity to bartend anything at tails. Let's get them behind my bar. 
Hell yeah. And that's such a cool thing to be able to do and something that hasn't happened a whole lot in the past. Yeah. So it was really, you know, that's the kind of project I can bring her because I know she's going to say yes. Yeah. She's fucking rad. Um, and also something that I know is going to, it's going to benefit the whole community because it's so edifying for us all to see one of us, Torre is one of us, part of our community, stand up and do this incredible work in a place where that work wasn't really getting done. And to be able to say, look, look at our friend, look how amazing he is, yeah. look at this incredible thing he's doing. And so, so many of the Turning Tables bartenders have participated in our digital programming over the last year, and we've gotten to know and fall in love with so many of them. So I'm really excited to meet them in person. I haven't gotten to meet a lot of them in person yet, so I'm very excited. Well, the last few years have been kind of rough for a lot of that. Yeah, I know. They, have a, they have a great website, so. Ugh, beautiful art because he is a beautiful soul. What we need to do is we need to get to a point where we can like get people to have us as sponsors on it and stuff. I've seen a lot of small brands here. And I, I, I bet you, if you talk to Torrey, he'd come be on the podcast too, because he's the best. I think we're, I think we're going to reach out. I'll um, connect you. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Hey, I think it's time for our opinion on facts that we've heard from reputable sources. Uh-oh. Okay. So our first story that we're going to cover today is actually about vino therapy. And um, basically it's all, the article is summed up as all these different ways that alcohol is being incorporated into different types of uh, therapy, whether it be uh, infusing tequila into locally sourced sage oil, which I thought was amazing. Beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, I don't know where I get local sage oil, but I'm going to look for it now. (laughs) Um, As well as, you know, like the benefits of red wine and all these different things. And Lindsay, you actually mentioned that you went to the winery. I've been to, I've chaperoned a press trip. I feel like that's important to mention. I was, I don't just like hang out with the Rothschilds on a weekend as much as I'd love to. Uh, but I was <laughs> chaperoning a press trip at Lafitte, which oh God, that would have been 2014. I want to say. Um, so I've been there, but I didn't see a spot the whole time I was there. This must be a new yeah. addition. This absolutely uh-huh. must be new, but yeah. I, I have had, um, so I live, I live in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time across the country <laughs> I, it's, I eastern, it's I, eastern time i we're on the border of eastern time but we're we're in eastern time we're, okay you drive one hour to the west and you're in central time but we are in eastern time uh, <laughs> uh, but uh we the at the the like local big hotel fancy spot the omni they definitely have like bourbon massages especially around derby and we just finished derby so like that's very the mint julep massage is for sure a thing they do oh there. my god yeah, yeah. uh but <laughs> i i've had wine I, it's like mint mint sugar coursed exactly, over your skin exactly yeah. <laughs> it's nice for sure it's nice <laughs> um I, and like i'm not a spa gal like all the time but when i you can go i try well i mean i can tell look at your skin obviously, obviously you're beautiful um, glowing I, glistening <laughs> it's, I, it's the italian oil but it's fine <laughs> <laughs> i try my hardest to go when I, you know a little bit of self-care and i've definitely had like the bourbon mint julep situation before uh, but i i'm very very inclined towards the cbd like if i'm gonna go with something in the massage oils i feel like the cbd just does a little bit more it's a little nicer right yeah no i, I and you know in looking at this like one of the things that that we have always been big advocates for on, on this, uh, on this podcast is like, has been mental health and taking care of yourself and finding sure. those ways to, to get away from it. And, you know, and like, and this is a, and this is an industry that we're in that doesn't necessarily promote that kind of lifestyle. 
And and I do think that that has changed, right? Like we've definitely turned in the right direction. But I think the first person to like really talk about it was actually you. And the reason I believe this is because there is an article <laughs> about mental health from Baltimore Baltimore Magazine in 2010. Damn girl, that you were that you were quoted in and talked, you know, about mental health and changing, you know, the you know, it's like you don't have to be out till 4 a.m. every single day and doing those things and taking time for yourself and Absolutely. not necessarily like, you know, that pressure of having all those shots lined up in front of you and being, you know, feeling like you were forced I, to take them and stuff. So I felt in the beginning, I when I started in this industry in 2006, I for sure felt the pressure to be out there, be a party girl and like out mm. of the bar every night. Yeah. And I tried to do it for a while. I really did. And it is not for me. I am not fun. I am. a <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm a very serious, very like, terminally serious person. Yeah. Um, I like to read books and I like my quiet. I'm an introvert. And I, I tried to work against my nature for a really long time and it was making me miserable. And the more I talked about how miserable it was making me, yeah. the more people around me were saying the same thing. And I'm like, then right. why are we all doing this to ourselves? This right. is stupid. We, we have, as a community, we decided that the only way to get ahead is for us to all be in the same bar at the same time poor and just ruining poor Simon Ford's credit limit, just destroying it <laughs> night after night angel that he is. And you know, you, you look around and everybody's kind of bummed at the right. end of the night. And it's like, well, why are we doing this? Let's take a step back. Let's do less of this and let's take care of each other a little bit more. And that 2010 is where I kind of threw my hands up. I was four years in. Yeah. Um, but in, at that point I was also really fortunate to get to meet some people. Uh, Amy Ward is a person that I met around the same time. Um, she's the health tender. Um, you can find her at the health tender on Instagram and Facebook. She's amazing. Um, and she's a person that I, uh, you know, I met her and she was saying the same things I was saying. And she yeah. was saying, why are we killing ourselves when instead she, in all fairness, she has like multiple degrees in physical therapy and uh, she's just, she's way too, she's overqualified. Let's put it this way. And, and, and meanwhile, like you're talking about tater tots is like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm sitting there with a whole menu in front of me. Like, Amy, yeah, 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 I, yeah, I get right. it, yeah, right. yeah. Amy literally pulls semi-trucks on her back in oh her free time. Oh like she's God. a strong woman. She's yeah. incredible, like an absolutely incredible human being. And I love her. She also is the beverage director at Camp Brunamuck and makes 20,000 cocktails in a week without breaking a sweat with only one case of citrus, her type. <laughs> yeah, she's incredible. Anyway, <laughs> but I started meeting more people like her um, out, on, out on the road in, in my many travels. And I'm like, okay, so there are a bunch of us. Mm -hmm. And all that's stopping people from doing this is knowing that it's okay. So right. let's create environments where it is okay. And like, I, there are not a lot of things I'm going to kick you out of camp for. You say anything that's racist, misogynist, all that, you're going to get kicked out. But if you force somebody to drink, mm -hmm. you're out. Yeah, that's some, that is a fireable offense at Camp Brunamuck. You know what I what I actually find interesting about just our current society is that anytime that I take a break from drinking, the most supportive people are always people in the industry. And then I'll say something to like my mother in law, and then she's like, "I don't know what to get you now. Do you want a fruit punch?" It's like it doesn't reverse that far back. Right? Like that's not how this works. That's I mean, but, I but also maybe right? depends yeah. on I the mean, fruit like, punch. What did I say? Bad. Yes, I do say yes, and, and it is great that I get I get the offer. But I do think that that's like. Because we're around, and I think you know, to certain like you can see how bad it can get. Now, you know, I want to fast forward this because one of the things you know for like myself, my own journey is like this has been a really hard year for me, 
and like trying to find motivation and trying to do these different things. And I've started to explore different avenues like therapy and this different stuff to, to work towards something better, which like Chris has always been such a huge advocate for and has really kind of, you know, pushed me to this, like, go do it, go do it, go do Congrats, it. Congrats, by the way. That's Thank awesome. you. No. And, and I'm, and I'm feeling good about it. We've, and we actually had one of our listeners reach out and kind of be like, Hey, I, I appreciate hearing this. And so I think one of the things that's like, that everybody has went through, because everybody deals with alcohol their own way, but literally everybody went through COVID together. Yep. Like we have this very unique situation where it's like this shared trauma that now, and not that we're out of it. I realize we're not <laughs> out of it. Okay. So nobody jump on me about that one, <laughs> but we are on the other side to a certain degree. Like, you know, we're hopefully we're coming down the hill and it's not going to ever go away. I don't think, but it's, it's, it's getting better. What do you, I mean, what have you seen in your child? Like, you know, where do you, what it's like the sentiment? Cause like, for me, I look at a lot of people and I'm just seeing people are just fucking burnt out across the nation. It's just like, like everyone's just tired. Cause it's like, Hey, all I did for the last two years was pivot, 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 try to survive. And then if you, I mean, if you were crazy enough to stay in this industry yeah. after the last two years, you just like, Hi. yeah, it's like, it's like, you're like, you are addicted to hospitality, Absolutely. right? Yep. And you want to be a part of it. And it's like, and, and all that. But I mean, is there anything that you've seen that you're like, like, Hey, not that you're a therapist or anything like that, but you have been thinking about this a lot longer than a lot of other people, you know? And is there things that you, that you might be like, like, Hey, maybe try this, maybe try that. Because I do know that there's a lot of people out there that are struggling that aren't ready to come forward and say it, Definitely. but maybe if they're listening, they could be like, Oh, that's actually really good feedback or before, you know. before we get too far into it. Um, I want to share a, a website called I heard you.org. Um, my, my friend Joel Rivas runs that out of San Antonio. And what Joel does that is truly remarkable and incredible is that he provides folks in the hospitality industry with free mental health care support. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Right. He, he and Kristen, like the whole squad of people. My mom is one of the counselors. Uh, that's what her job is when she's, uh, when, she, when she's not uh, volunteering. Uh, but there are so many incredible people who volunteer their time to be a part of that. And if, if you are looking for mental health care support and you don't have the money to do it right now, mm. you do if you work in hospitality, cause it's free and Joel yeah. will take care of you. So that's a really good resource. He also actually has partnered up with Amy Ward um, and a couple of other amazing Baltimore bartenders to have some in-person sobriety help and support sessions as well. Um, so there, that's a really great organization and one that I, I strongly recommend you, you go find if, if you're looking for that kind of thing. Um, but for me, it, it really has been about more than anything else, moderation and not, not giving into the peer pressure quite as much. Right. Um, and, and just knowing where your limits are, knowing where your boundaries are. Absolutely. If you want to drink, go have one. Right. If you do not want to have a drink, don't. Uh, I think it's just more of trusting yourself and listening to yourself more than anything else. Um, and, and I would say that for a lot of us in the industry, drinking is part of it, but also the the need to travel all of the time, which is also very physically challenging, financially challenging, that, that also wears on you. And I think a lot right. of folks feel like if they don't go to all the things, they don't, I mean, you would think the person who organizes most of these bartender events is like, come to the mall. No, don't. Like, come to the <laughs> ones you want to go to and make sure that if you're going, you build in time for yourself. Yeah. Um, that's really important. Like, it's, I cannot stress enough, especially now after we've been through the pandemic. We at Camp Run Amok this year, every third event, uh, we decided to not allow be sponsored. So it's just kind of like free time. There will be an activity, right. 
but it's not sponsored. If you don't, if you want to stay in your room, stay in your room. If you want to go sit under a tree, you want to go play basketball, whatever the hell you want to do during that time is fine. You're going to miss Britney's below deck party, which sounds stupid to me, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like you absolutely can, yeah. you know, and we're, we're, we're trying to take a lot of the pressure off of folks to feel like they have to be on all the time. A, a very good friend of mine, um, who I, I just adore, uh, he lives in the Bay area and he came to me after a few years of knowing him. And this is a person who walks into every room is dancing is singing having a good time. Um, and he's like, you know, I'm, I'm so tired of people expecting me to be that guy all of the time. Right. And I hugged him and I said, you don't have to be. Yeah. Just because you are the most fun person when you're being that guy doesn't mean you're not my favorite person when you're not that guy. Yeah. And I think a lot of us feel that pressure that we've got to be fun. We've got to be on because a lot of folks have to be that way when they're behind the bar because that's how they make their money. And I totally hear that right. when you're off the clock. If you're coming to see us, do not feel like you've got to be that guy. I don't, it doesn't matter to us one way or the other. We love you for who you are. And I think that that pressure, I think, causes a lot of the other stuff, right? It causes the drinking too much. It causes the going out too much and not feeling like you're centered and traveling too much and feeling like you're going to miss out if you don't go to every single event. I mean, I think, I think FOMO is, is obviously a huge issue. Oh my gosh. Like throughout it. I mean, I, earlier in my career, that was definitely the thing for me. It was just like, it was every, every night almost. I mean, and I remember getting to a point where it kind of like culminated with this really huge Christmas party that I ended up throwing. And then I was just sick for the rest of January. Oh yeah. Like my whole body just shut down. It was just kind of like, no, of you're not responsible. We can't let you do anything else. And I, and I think now what you're seeing in a lot of what you're talking about is, is like, yeah, we were so used to be on our own. Now we're just right back into the thick of it. Right. And you're just kind of like, you're like, oh, I don't not used to this much stimulation right. anymore. And it's like, I just need to go and sit in a quiet room and, and do that. And it's like totally okay. So for anybody who doesn't think it's okay. I love the quiet it's room. It's totally okay. Yeah. My favorite thing is the quiet room. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, it, but it, it's a, it's a pretty common trait amongst most people in our industry, right? Yes. Is that you do have the ability to go out and put on a show and, you know, be yes. that type A outgoing, you know, person. But then at the same time, it's like, I mean, I know for myself, it's like, I need recharge time. Same. I need to be able to go and sit and just like, I'm not mad. No. I'm not frustrated. I just don't want anybody to talk to me right now. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you know there's a, I, I haven't shared this story too often with like the general public, but the reason I started bartending is because I'm naturally a, an introvert. And, and I was finding myself uh, increasingly more envious of my friends who had the ability to like speak to people they didn't know, go to places and be around strangers. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that wasn't me by any stretch. And so I, I forced myself into yeah. a situation where I was like, well, I was already in the restaurant industry. I hated the chef life. That wasn't for me. That looked awful. Uh, and I still stand by that. Uh, and, uh, and, and then I was like, Oh, these bartenders are rad, but I'm not that person I would mm -hmm. like to be. So I just forced myself into that situation. And now when I tell people that I'm, I'm actually an introvert, they're like, no, that's not right. Like, yeah. When I'm at home, I do nothing. Like I sit with my daughter on my lap. I watch TV. I try to read a book if I can, but my brain is subject to modern technology and I don't have the attention <laughs> span anymore. And 
Yeah, I think we have the same story. I started bartending for exactly the same reason. I am a very shy, very quiet person. Uh, It's part of why I went into broadcast journalism. Like I, I, I knew that if I didn't force myself into those scenarios, but you'll notice in broadcast journalism, there's a camera between me and the people. Hey, I got the four feet of of wood. That's exactly it. it. In bartending, I had the space. So I felt like there was a safety net for my introversion. That was okay. I also have ADHD. So my, I think you and I have, our brains maybe work very similar, which I'm sorry. (laughs) sorry Back at you. (laughs) Uh, But it's, you know, I think a lot of people have that story. I think that's very relatable for a lot of people in the industry. I think a lot of us are neurodivergent. I think a lot of us are introverts. And I think we force ourselves to go out there and be, you know, out and about when we don't want to be. Yeah, I I can't do concerts because I'm like lightweight. I'm lightweight agoraphobic when I'm in vast amounts of people unless I have like my seat and my space. Oh, I don't I don't go to I don't go to big events unless like we're in a suite, which is also kind of a bougie thing to say. (laughs) Incredibly fucking bougie. Jesus. But it's like but that's I don't go to a whole lot of them. Yeah. It's like you totally. you save up you save up for those things. I mean, and I know, you know, it's kind of like I have two recent recent uh, situations. Like even on Easter, just with my family, like, there was two times I had to walk away yeah. and just be like, and again, not mad or anything. Like that. I just kind totally. of had to go recollect my thoughts and come back in. And then um, doing a big, I did a big mezcal and tequila uh, deal, and it was just like you know, a third of the way through the presentation, you know, we had a lot of people there because people were dying to be back out again. It was like, was like, I got to go to the bathroom and just be in there for like three totally. to four minutes and just like wash my face, just kind of, you know, chill out a bit. And I think that's, that's like one of the things that, um, that I wish more people did talk about because, and there's, I always think about this one story. There's, if you guys watch the show, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Yeah. So it's what, it's what Jerry Seinfeld and it's, and the title is what it is. Got it. <laughs> he had Jimmy Fallon on and Fallon was talking about the tonight show. And how much he dreaded doing the opening monologue and starting the show and stuff like that. He was like, you know, like all day, I just don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do the show. I don't want to be in front of people. And you're like, and you're you're watching this. You're like, it's fucking Jimmy Fallon that's saying this, right? And then so Seinfeld asked me, goes, well, how close to the show starting do you feel like that? He goes, when I'm, he's like, uh, as as the curtains are opening. And it's just kind of like, oh my God, is that not the most relatable thing, Absolutely. you know? And I think a lot of people, you know, in this industry, like that's do, a majority do. of my career behind the bar. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I was just like, oh, I don't have this in me. I don't have this in me. Hey, what's up? How are we doing? Who wants what? Bang, 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 bang. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, certainly, I feel that. Way. Like I, I've been. Liz and my team and I've had a lot of conversations over the last few days about how we're both so excited at the camps that we're going back to camp. But yeah. we both have the same like pit in our stomach that, oh, we're doing this all again. Is it going to go okay? Is any, you know, it's like, we were out. We got out of it. Right. We were done. <laughs> and like, I, I'm less nervous about getting on stage and talking to everybody. And I'm less nervous about a lot of aspects of it than I, than I used to be. Um, but certainly I'm nervous about having all those people in the same space again. And, yeah. you know, with all of the new challenges in front of us and, you know, there are, you look at it and you're just like, oh gosh, here we go again. And the, as excited as I am, and I really am genuine, I, like I've not been this excited for anything in a long time. Um, as excited as I am, I am equally as nervous. Yeah. And I think that's normal. And I think if we don't say that it's normal, then it becomes weird. And there's no reason for that. Like we all right. feel that way. So why not say it out loud? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like, uh, that's definitely been my mentality and why like I'm talking about it as much yeah. as I am because like I want awesome. people to know it's kind of 
you know, you, you, I don't feel like we've always, you know, you always get like the full story, especially over the last couple of years where like most of the content that we're taking in is all social media yeah. and which is then going to be cultivated to a certain degree. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, so you know, we started with vino therapy, and we just wanted people, to, hey, go, go get therapy. <laughs> <laughs> vino therapy to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> to be so, fair, a lot of my therapy is vino therapy. Yeah, that's that's also true. Fair enough. And so, so we get to that second bottle, you know, you know where you're kind of like, this did not go well today. Uh, but before we move on, I just want to I just want to put this back out there again. It's iheardyou.org. So if you do want to reach out to somebody and you don't have the means to do so. There are options for you. So again, I heard you dot org. Uh, check that out. Yeah. Uh. Okay. So now on to our next story, which is uh, there was a recent study done by CGA, which is basically outlined the multiple opportunities that are now available for U.S. hotel bar programs. Um, what they found was that 86% of these people that were that were surveyed, which I think was over 5,000 people, um, said that they will visit a hotel in the next year, which is up 9% from last year, which is really cool. People are traveling again. Um, there was a 4% increase in people that were doing business trips. And then there was, which I thought this was the most significant of it, which was 48% of those people that were surveyed were exploring all the amenities of the hotel, in particular, like, bar and stuff like that um you know again to kind of bring it back to jeffrey like in talking about hotel bars and then really being a thing i never really consider hotel bars and i think it's really? because well i wouldn't bear with me here i think it's because what i grew up around especially here in the sacramento area is that there really hasn't been a hotel bar that was like a staple of the area like all of our grange you know, well i know it was like in a, but I would say, but that was also something that was associated with like high-end dining. Yeah, and that's fair. And there are actually two new ones here in Sacramento in the downtown grid area that I haven't been to. That I'm three, maybe actually now. I'm excited to go to, but I'm old and have a family. I don't go anywhere outside of work. So, you think the standard, standard, uh, the Paragary Hotel, which is which is I've been to that one a couple times. Have you? And then there's an. The other one that's uh, right across the street from from the arena, not the standard on Seventh, but it's uh, I, I can't think of the name of the damn the exchange. Oh yes, yeah, okay, yeah. It's yeah. not the that's not the name of the the bar. It's the name of the hotel. It's like the the because it's named after like a old auction house like a fruit and nut exchange or something like that you know one of those things i think it is well (laughs) for those for those for those who aren't in the area sacramento (laughs) is like the bread basket of fucking california so yeah we have everything here but yeah and i I think that's i mean again that's been part of my like changing my mindset towards this is kind of like oh yeah like i never would have considered going to you know a hotel bar uh, during the week, but like now it's like one of the few places that's open on a Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Right. So now yeah, I go there. Absolutely. So it's kind of like, like if I'm downtown, all my bars don't open up till four o'clock, you know, or my stores, like I've already hit them. So it's like, well, you know, I'm now going to a hotel bar. I've got um, a special place in my heart for hotel bars. Hotel bars really kept, uh, um, next to like Tiki world really kept cocktails alive yes. through mm. the dark ages, absolutely. dark ages being fifties to the nineties, everybody. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was like worldwide. That's where Absolutely. that's where cocktails flourished was in the hotel for some reason. I mean, I I have an, I am a business traveler, right? Most mm-hmm. 
in non-pandemic years, I travel between 200 and 300 days out of the year. So I spend a lot of time in hotels. I mean, she traveled up here just to just be to with us in too. person, which is ridiculous. Just was so happy too. that it happened. But again, I, sorry, I'm, go back. I love, I love a little trip. Um, but I, you know, I, as a person who spends a lot of time in hotels, I can tell you that uh, hotel bars are special to me. Um, it's where I get a lot of my work done. It's, it's a place because very often, especially, so I'm staying at Citizen and I went to Grange for dinner last night and definitely had a martini with my dinner. Oh, yeah. Um, and they were lovely and everything was delicious. Um, but my room is basically like a Faraday cage. The Wi-Fi doesn't work. My phone it's, doesn't work. <laughs> Any older hotel, it's like that. Did you, Wait, call, it, it, you call it a ferret cage? Faraday. Faraday. Oh, yeah, it, they said a ferret cage. I just was like, what's what's <laughs> what's Faraday? Blo- it blocks uh, networks. It blocks. Oh, okay. It's just a yeah. It's, a it's, wh- a, it's an old building, so she's like she's like exactly. in a true. she's like in a cell. It is. Basically. It's an old building with small rooms, but they're adorable. The rooms are. It's the bed's comfy. The yep. room's great. Love yeah. it. It's a great hotel, yeah. but. I can't get any service in that room. So what are my options? Go to a coffee shop or go down to the hotel bar. The hotel bar is one more convenient most of the time. Although I did find a really good coffee shop today, but that's beside the point. Um, (laughs) But it's going to be quiet. The bartenders definitely know what you're up to and Mm -hmm. will be refilling that water. Uh, I have a very, very, very soft spot in my heart for Clyde Common because Portland Cocktail Week Uh was planned 100% in Jeff's bar Uh um, for the first two years. Like the whole thing, <laughs> Got yeah. I drew the logo sitting at that bar. Um, you know, like that—that that is where that event happens. I'll always have a soft spot there, and I'll go see him at his new place too. I guess. Uh, just kidding. I love that guy. Um, but yeah, like we—I—I I would be sitting there, and uh, Andrew Volk, who owns um, Hunt and Alpine in Portland, Maine. Not to be confused with Portland, Oregon, um, with his wife, Brianna. They're amazing humans. But Andrew was the daytime bartender at Clyde Common when I was in there planning Portland Cocktail Week. And he would jokingly, like, call himself my secretary because he would, like, keep notes for me, <laughs> you know. And, like, every once in a while, he'd pick up my phone. <laughs> he'd be like, Lindsay's phone. You know, like, it, it, you become so close <laughs> with these people who you're spending so much time with. Um, and, I mean, part of it also is that I, I grew up. Um, traveling a little bit. My my parents, my mother is hilarious. Um, she, I, I'm from New York originally. And she was very concerned when we moved out of New York when I was eight to the Midwest that I would not be a New Yorker. So she'd send me back a lot of the time to to go back. To, we spent a lot of time in New York. Let's put it that way. New York Honestly. City, I'm assuming. Yes. Based on that. Because the only people who care about being New Yorkers <laughs> are people from New York City. Everybody else. Island. Same, same. From Long Island, I feel like that's important to mention. Um, the only people who care about Long Island are people from Long Island. And as a person from Long Island, I can tell you some of us don't care about that either. Uh, but I do love the city. Uh, but I every single year, my treat every single year was getting to spend a couple of nights at the Waldorf Astoria, oh. and that was like that was my birthday present for as long as I can. Great remember. salad. Oh, absolutely. But like that's where that's what I always associated with like elegance was having a Manhattan at the bar there. And uh, my, my grandfather um, was a chef at the, the Palm Room at the Plaza. Uh, so like I grew up around hotels and hotel bars and like really like that's always been a very big part of me. And I think that's part of why I travel so much is like that's always in my mind. Like, oh, that's what grownups do. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's it's interesting to see hotel bars like for a while there, when all the cocktail bars were getting really, really good at what they did, 
there were not very many hotel bars that could keep up. Right. But now that's different. Yeah. It's completely changed. And hotel bars can, you know, they're punching at the same weight class as a lot of the really great cocktail bars out there. And, you know, some of them have always been that way. Obviously, Clyde was killing it from the get. And there are some places that were amazing from their very first day. Um, but like now, like if I'm like going to a regular Marriott, chances are pretty good. The drinks are going to be fine. Right. It's yeah. not good. Yeah. Um, and that's really exciting. And I think it's a testament to the work that y'all have been doing for all this time. Cause there was a lot of work that's to me, be done. Not Drew. Drew hasn't done any of the work. That's me. <laughs> Listen, I get, I get some of those places, really good spirits to make really good drinks. It's true. So I do. The selection right. is significantly better now. Yeah. In all of those bars. Good job, Drew. Well, hey, <laughs> I'm just one man, but that's what I do. <laughs> but it, I, I think hotel bars, I so I, I like this study a lot because it reinforces what my anecdotal experience is, which is to say, yes, I would say my travel's up more than 4%, unfortunately, over last year, probably more like 30% over last year. Um, like You're starting to see more and more people who are there, like, hotels feel full which they didn't last year yeah. um i didn't travel a bunch last year but nothing felt full i was talking to dave newman uh this last week because he also came to see me which is fucking amazing i had two beautiful beautiful <laughs> friends come to visit me it was such a lovely night dave please come back again soon or but he was telling me he's gonna come the see island me first in Louisville. thank you very much the uh he was saying that the the hotel occupancies in uh in honolulu uh going through I think starting in August, going through the new year, are at like ninety percent. Yeah, he's like that's he's like that's even crazy for pre-pandemic times. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah everybody's like buckling in and getting well, ready. In, is the the new pint is in a it's hotel, in a hotel. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's so, in a hotel. So yeah, you know, for for the people who don't know, like you know, so Dave Newman was is is a former guest, is a good bottle podcast alumni and just close close friend of both of ours. And, um, you know, had to shut down his bar, which was Pint and Jigger, there for a little bit. But now, I mean, they're dangerously close to opening yeah, back up. They're, you know, waiting, they're waiting on a couple. He's one of those things, few places like, that was forced to shut down pre-pandemic that right. lucked out because, because yeah. of that. Yeah, that's it, true. It was like a, it was a raw deal. And then ultimately he was like, well, fuck, that was, <laughs> we lucked out. out. Really, yeah. really great. Yeah, they had someone yeah. buy his building and then force him out. Um so yeah, it actually did really work out yeah. for and I, I think that when because I was in Oahu the January of 2020 and I got to go hang out there like weeks before Ugh. it was done. Right. Um so we're really excited to see to see that open up and people getting out there. Carrie, uh, who works with me here at Good Bottle, I think is the first person I know who's actually gotten to see the full full new build out of the new pie in person in person like dave took her there like cooked her dinner and and like made her and michael drinks and they hung out at the new pint with like no one was there i was like sounds fuck great. you <laughs> well i think it, i think that you know again kind of coming back to that hospitality thing where it's just like you get this unreal level of love and then if you get into the community out in hawaii right like oh my god yeah right? It is like this next level. Like when I went out there for that trip, I brought out a bunch of different like agave spirits for me that I knew they didn't have. And like oh, I, because I reached out to them, I was like, hey, I really want to teach a class out there. And it was so I could meet a bunch of like of legit bartenders. So it was yeah, like, make friends. Yeah, it's like, I want to go out here. I'm going to do this early in the week. I'm going to make some friends. And I did. And it's been great. And I've stayed in contact with everybody. But, um, but yeah, it's just like, 
you know, obviously that whole place is dependent upon hospitality, right? Mm -hmm. And then you get the outliers who are even more so into hospitality. It's like, it's such a great experience. So. You know, uh, based on these numbers though, I, there's two, two parts of my brain. I'm a lightweight surprised that this is the Libra in me, uh, lightweight surprised that, that, uh, uh, business travel is up 4%. Like, I feel like we've all figured out that we can communicate virtually. Yes. Uh, and, and so Chris, yes. And no, not everyone's figured it out. No, well, it's true. It's true. <laughs> a lot of people haven't figured it out. I'm so there's kidding. a, there's a lot of travel that has to happen in order to like maintain those relationships and like go shake hands, kiss babies type of thing. Right. Um, I'm just, I, both of those are like battling out my, in my brain, but and I would say that 80% of the work that would have required a meeting for me in person can now be done virtually. Like, and we, a lot of, a lot of the, the ways that a lot of meetings I would have had to have flown to New York to take, uh -huh. I don't have to anymore, which is really nice. Um, but for everyone, I would say for every five of those, there's one where whether the relationship is newer or we don't really, you know, there's just a lot more to cover. Sometimes you got to do it in person. I, I think a let lot me of be, let me be less gentle. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, you, you, as a, as a, uh, young woman in the, in the beverage space, um, deal with a lot of older white guys who own and run distilleries. And a lot of those older white guys who own and run distilleries are oftentimes well off and very, uh, what privileged bridges, what what bridges are we burning first of all I just well know no no, no. they're pri they're privileged absolutely and and uh off air you have told me many times about kind of the the degradation you have to deal with uh from a lot of these men so i imagine that some of this is just sort of carryover from that a lot of these guys who are well off don't want to open up their computer they don't exactly. want to learn how to do this they and don't feel like they should some of it is that certainly um I feel very, very, very lucky that that group is much less prevalent in my life. And uh, I have found ways to, um, how do I politely put this? I work with so many women, just so <laughs> many women, Chris. Um, it's wild. Um, and it, it's, it, it's really been very heartening over the last five years to see so many of these jobs go to really talented and very deserving. Like I cannot underline enough very deserving women who have, higher levels of education, more experience, all this, but had been overlooked for a really long time. A lot, there's been a, a lot of progress. Like I cannot overstate the amount of progress that the spirits portfolios have kind of take, have, have how, moved how, uh, This is going to be a, a, a rough question. <laughs> um, how much of that do you think is legitimate progress or how much do you think is, uh, is. Uh, check the uh, box. Yes. Uh, 50, 50, but I'll take it either way, I guess is, is the short answer. That's fair. I mean, cause you look at, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, you take a very specific, bury them. <laughs> you take a very specific Tennessee whiskey, uh, who recently, no, sorry. Take a very specific, uh, uh, Kentucky bourbon yeah. recently who lost their master distiller. Yes. Uh, who is very talented. Who's insanely talented. Uh, Right. And, and, and uh, as an ongoing rule for, Drew, we don't talk no, about no, this. No comment. We don't talk about this on this podcast. I no longer but, comment. Uh, I do not comment on this. <laughs> but uh, that was clearly just a checked box. 
that, if, in that you, situation, if, right? If you're not willing to cha- make big changes to uh-huh. accommodate the people that you're bringing on and putting out front, then you're going to have the same problem over and over and over again, right? Um, another organization in Kentucky um, decided, I'm happy to say is Brown Foreman, they're awesome, they're amazing. Um, they, they looked around and they said, you know, we really need somebody to be in charge of trade marketing. We know it's important to talk to bartenders. We know, we know that this is something we want to be doing, and we don't know how. We're going to bring somebody in. They went, they went on their big search to find this person, and they came up with Jordan Zimmerman, who is the most qualified person for that job, maybe in the world. Um, and she is a person who has, you know, and they they're like, we we don't know what we don't know. We just want to do this right, and we want to make sure that we're talking to people the right way and being respectful. And they listen to her. They she makes a recommendation. They do, you know, it. It's been very cool to see this company that I think a lot of people think of as being like older, stuffier, more conservative um, and seeing them be like, no, we, we know the future. We, we want to, we commit ourselves to being the best we can. I will say uh, from watching Brown Foreman from a, a, both a fly on the wall perspective and then having very close friends be a part of Brown Foreman, um, I have not held any any comments back to my very close friends um and but and always question them about things but i've also seen that they they have also taken the reins and said no we like yes this was messed up it was a stumbling block we're trying not to do this but it's it's an older brand it's an older brand and it's hard for the younger guys to tell the older guys like hey not cool we got to do this we got to do that and Sometimes the messaging doesn't get through right. There's a lot. There's for a small brand. It's also a big brand. And it's been really cool to see over the last, you know, last few years. And this is this predates Jordan. To be totally honest with you, when folks ask me um, if they should take a job or not, the first thing I ask them is because they'll be like, "Oh, should I take this brand ambassador job?" And I always say, "Is it with Brown Foreman?" And if they say yes, I say yes without even knowing what yeah. the brand is, without even knowing because I know they're going to get paid fairly. I know they're going to be respected and I know they're not going to get fired after six months. I kind of want to sit here and just run through different organizations. <laughs> with you. And maybe we'll do that as like a Patreon thing. You have to pay for it to learn. Pay for it to learn who you should report. Who it you is the dirt. According to Lindsay. But the I, good I bottle dirt. Right now, like that is, that is a portfolio. I would personally, like if I didn't have people who I like pay their salaries, I would go work for them in a heartbeat. I believe in what they do. I believe in them as people. And I know that I know what they do and I know what they do is always above board and ethical. And that's, that's what I'm looking for in a partner, you know? Right. And they, they've proven to be time and time again. So like for every bad actor, I've seen a company that is, um, I've seen companies that are maybe perceived to be more conservative and more stuffy. I've seen them go and take these giant strides, like truly giant strides um, over the last 15 years. And it's really heartening to me. It's really exciting because full disclosure, a salesperson at Brown Foreman at one point called me little lady on the phone nine different times and yeah, told me, told me, told me it could, it's impossible to sell one full case of liquor of any brand of any spirit in any one bar in a night or in a weekend. I'm like, what? <laughs> Have you what? been to a bar? <laughs> it was it was a very confusing conversation. Um, <laughs> that person retired soon after, um, and like I've I've not run into a single person like that since you know. And that was in 2008, talking about a, a brand they don't even have anymore. Um, so it's you know it's very interesting to me to see just how much can get done with an open mindset, and you know 
I mean, I, I guess I'm just very biased. I, I like to use them as an example because I think the perception of them is so off. And I think when people hear me say they're, they're some of the best people I've met in the business yeah. and they're some of the most progressive minded people I've met in the business, they're like, huh? But Kentucky people, it's like, no, they really are, I swear. <laughs> they also, like, pay for the ballet and all the museums in Louisville. You know, like, they, they pay for the arts to exist in my city. So I am a little biased, but <laughs> they're Can't wait cool. for our $100 <laughs> Patreon episode with her. Just bearing all the other ones. But I think, I think we've covered hotels. <laughs> Yo. You know who's dope? Them okay. over there. Now time for my favorite segment of the show and that's our dope follows dope follows could be dope people that you that you think that we should be checking out could be instagram accounts other podcasts books movies whatever literally anything literally anything that you think is dope so Lindsay, you have dropped actually quite a few dope follows throughout this entire episode yeah, that's like, true i have names <laughs> written all over my sheet here that i'm like like well we gotta talk to this person we gotta talk to this person but your pre-planned yes. dope follow well, who is it and why I mean, there's only one. You, I feel like Chris could have told you who this was going to be before I sent the email. Uh, my dope follow is uh, Brown and Balance, Mr. Mixologist himself, Josh Davis. Uh, go follow Brown and Balance there on Instagram, on Facebook, wherever you can find him. Um, we're going to have so many Brown and Balance parties this year. It's going to blow your minds. Uh, Josh is going to be hosting one Brown and Balance at Tales, one to kick off Portland Cocktail Week. Over 1,500 people came to Bartenders Weekend to Brown and Balance. 1,500 people came. I believe it. Wild. Really I mean, he's doing on. such an amazing job. Like, yeah, even over even over a uh, pandemic when everybody was stuck at home, the content he was putting out was mm -hmm. just incredible. And that's really it. Like, you can engage with Brown and Balance. You can just watch the videos. He does really awesome interviews, including with the person you mentioned earlier. Um, he does incredible interviews with people who are really making moves. Um, at, always in the black and brown space, but mostly for the black community. Um, this is not a space, this is not a sanitized, you know, black people talking in a way that the white people are comfortable. No, this is all about the black community and making sure that everybody who is listening and participating and part of it is understanding the black experience. And I think so often as, as a white woman, I know that very often we, we get like a version of, uh, of the black experience. And I can, you know, I can only see part of it. And Josh is so generous to make sure that we understand all of the issues that he's facing, what it's like to be a dad with three kids who are awesome, by the way. And I'm giving you the link to Josiah's single, which just dropped today. Josiah uh, is single. His son. His yes. son. <laughs> is that he put that out there? Today. And it's so good. But, you know, like that. Oh, I will be sending it to you because it's good. That's amazing. amazing. He's so good. Uh, Josiah is Josh, but 18. Uh, it's wild. He looks just like a man. It's adorable. Um, and he's also like the valedictorian of his high school class, you know, like killing it. The whole family is just killing it. Um, but I'm just so proud of Josh and everything that he's done. He During the pandemic, he went and got his degree in refrigerator repair, and he does that for all the bars in his community because he knows that that's a thing that it's a very costly thing Yeah, and something a lot of not, not a lot of people know how to do. So Josh just comes and fixes your ice machine or your refrigerator. Uh, there's nothing that man can't do. And I'm so proud of him. And it's so, so, so cool to see what he's done for the black community. And I'm really proud of him. That's amazing. I know. That is good. the best. Yeah. We got to get Josh on here too. Yes, you Yeah. Do. I mean, we, we've, we've talked about it for a while fun. so many times. And I know. Just, he's the I know. most fun person I know too. <laughs> yeah. That needs, that needs, that needs to happen. There was, there was a, you know, obviously a lot of people were doing just all kinds of content over, over the uh, pandemic. And he was doing like a, 
he was just doing like almost I felt daily. Yeah. I might might not have been it like was, just like Instagram live, time. you yeah. know, and he was just talking yeah. about everything. And there was a few times where I got to engage with him a little bit. And yeah, it was just it was a it was a really great, uh really, you know, one of those two that kind of like helped get you through it. Absolutely. Also, Josh has always been one of those guys that um very much to his credit and my discredit, he's always recognized me and like said what's up and like been extra friendly and it's always out of context for me. So, and I've got like facial dysmorphia and years and years behind the bar. Every, yeah, everybody yeah. just looks exactly right. the same, like a facial blob to me. And right. so I just, it takes me a minute to like deliver context. Yeah. Uh, um, but he's always so sweet. He's just a great, a great person who as it, it's shocking to me that so few opportunities have come his way and it's taken this long for everybody to figure out just how amazing he is. Um, but I can tell you when we started, so, so we've been helping Josh with Brown and balance for the last, since he started in 2017. Mm. Um, I can tell you that we had to pay lush life paid for the first year for almost all of those parties because no one would sponsor it. No one. Really? No one would touch it with a 10 foot pole. And when I would go to these spirits portfolios and say, Hey, we've got this really great concept. I mean, and when I say we, I'm here on Josh's behalf. This is his thing. This is his deck. I'm just here to tell you, cause I'm here to talk to you about ABCD and yeah. all these other things. Um, and they were all the response that I most often got is, well, you know, we have a bucket for bartending and we have a bucket for Afan programming uh -huh, uh -huh. and we can't mix the two. And it's like, well, you could just do bartending. They're, they're bartenders. So we could just take from the bartending <laughs> bucket, you know? Um, oh my God. And for the first year, I, I think in total, we raised maybe $8,000 to throw four parties and the my tax return paid for the one in the last one in New York in 2017 because <laughs> that was the only way we could figure out how to do it. Um, and now that is not the case. <laughs> you know, yeah. now there are yeah. people who understand it and want to get involved. And some of that is the recognition from Tails, which was really awesome last year. Josh got nominated. Um, some of that is just people kind of figuring, looking around and going, oh, we really haven't been cool about this, have we? Right we've been messing up and trying to do better. And also some people getting, getting these jobs that didn't have them before. Right. Because most of the people who are saying yes to me did not have jobs like this when I was knocking on those doors in 2017. That's a, that's a good. Um, so again, that's Brown and balanced. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to check, yeah. check out Chris. Who's your dope follow? Uh, mine is a, a cocktail Instagram, uh, gins of the world. It's beautiful gin based cocktails, uh, with a little bit of gin knowledge thrown in there, but just like, Really beautiful photos of cocktails. I love it. You know, just like your cocktail porn. Real, real pretty easy. Straightforward. Like yeah. I like it. Good. All right. And then mine is uh, kind of going going back to the mental health thing. It's a YouTube channel that you can go to, and it's called Therapy in a Nutshell. It's hosted by Emma McAdam, and she's a licensed marriage and family therapist. And she just really, at least. I think I've probably watched five or six of them at this point. And, you know, she just, it's, it's exactly what it sounds like. It is awesome. therapy in a nutshell. It's really good. My therapist recommended it to me, which I was kind of like, are you just passing the boot? You're like, you know, it's just like, what's going on here? Like, what am I paying you for? Um, so, uh, but I, I really like how she breaks things down. The and therapist was saying that you need more help. than they can give <laughs> Yeah. Them. Yeah. Yes. You know, the, the way that they, the way that they do it at Kaiser is like, they really, they have like this whole team now, which is actually kind of cool. So like, I've talked with a couple of different people with different, um, you know, levels of expertise, which I'm really big on that. It's like, if you're an expert in this, 
I don't care what it is, but you be the expert. Right. You have questions about rum or agave. I got you. Exactly. Outside of that, I default to other people. Um, so yeah, so check that one out. It's therapy in a nutshell. Awesome. It's a really, really cool, uh, YouTube channel. And, uh, you know what? Those are some, those are some pretty dope follows. Agreed. The music for the good bottle podcast is orchestrated by the brothers more. That would be Leon and chase for those of you who are interested and produced pretty damn well by us two guys we finally got there four seasons in we're like producing less awkwardly uh before we go kill these bottles actually i I need another bottle can i have some more of that uh wee beastie that would be lovely before we go kill these bottles that we've been enjoying tonight today tonight oh i just spilled it halfway over the table please subscribe smash that five star review and uh, talk to us. That's how, that's how we did. I actually saw Leon this week. Did you? It was, uh, he was doing some prep work over at, you know, Alora, one uh-huh. of my favorite restaurants. And uh, he was on his way out to uh, to go golfing after. Yeah, I went golfing with him. You, did you see that man's cabs? Are we being serious right now? Monsters. I Maybe. was giving him a hard time because he tucked in his, his T-shirt. Well, because he's svelte right now. Well, he he just said he's dressing for the job he wants, and I don't know what that means. Is it (laughs) golf pro? I don't know. Is it like stay-at-home dad? Either way, it looks great. It's it's working for him. It is working for him. Good on you, Leon. Amazing. Um, You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at The Good Bottle Podcast. You can follow us on our personal accounts. Chris is Kristen Flair. Mine is DGarrison6. Lindsay, where can they find you on the interwebs? Live the Lush Life is the easiest way to find me on pretty much every platform. Hear that? Live it. All right, live it. Lush it. Lush it. <laughs> live it, love it, lush it. There it is. Beautiful. <laughs> it's your new hashtag. There Absolutely. it is. Absolutely. <laughs> have to go to Home Goods and get one of those made. Oh, great. <laughs> Great. We're going to the guest bathroom is where that goes. <laughs> yeah, right over the mirror. Yeah, that's where that goes. That's good. Over the potpourri. Yeah. Uh, no joke. I have Jägermeister potpourri in my house. It's amazing. I'm glad you find any use for it. It's fucking great. I love it. Uh, if you would like for us to cover a story or you're working on a brand that needs to be featured. That's right. I said needs to be featured. Please email us at thegoodbottlepodcast at gmail.com. That is a thing now that happens. We have some guests coming up. That yeah. Reached out to us. We're very excited. To I know. Because you started checking it. It's great. I, yeah. <laughs> Amazing what you can find in your email when you check it. <laughs> um, and as a reminder, you can purchase these bottles at thegoodbottleshop.com. And until next time, because we can do it in person. Hey. Cheers. Cheers, friends. <laughs>